episode 81 of White Heat, presented by Guzzle Media, sponsored by our friends over at Mohawk Honda in Scotia, Glenville, and Johnstone Supply in Troy. Also sponsored by the letters G and V as in Great Value Tropical Punch for today. I'm Brian. That's JJ. How are you, good sir? I'm dying. Well, we all meet our mortality at some point, so that's that's wonderful. <laughs> um, some quicker than others, I suppose. Yeah. Um, no, just yeah. dealing with the dealing with the rain here, and I had physical therapy this morning. And I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my but my visiting nurse that does my physical therapy makes me do Peloton routines. Mm. So I, I hate you life. To me in private once before. Yeah. yeah. So I was hating life, hence why I passed out and then forgot to set an alarm afterwards. That's fair. <laughs> I, I ain't judging. I ain't judging. It's all good. Uh, it's been very dreary here today, too, so you're not alone with that whole regard. But uh, we do have a bit of stuff to get into today. Yeah. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit all over the place. Yeah. Um, first things first, though, we got to acknowledge as we are recording this uh, on the east coast of the U.S., Tuesday, January 3rd, 4 p.m., you make the proper time changes. Technically, Wrestle Kingdom 17 day in Japan right now. It's 6 a.m. on January the 4th out there, which means doors are opening in less than 12 hours for them. Show's kicking off at about 13 hours, 5 p.m. their time. Um, quite the card, obviously. Uh, just to kind of run through it quick. Um, they're going to have two... Uh, well, actually, technically, I guess their list of them is three... Yeah, three pre-show matches. Uh, one's a Young Lions match that they always do every year. Yep. Um, they're doing a King of Pro Wrestling Right to Challenge match. Mm-hmm. Um, the participants of that on uh, not revealed. And then they're doing uh, the Memorial Six Man Tag Match I had mentioned before uh, in honor of Antonio Inoki. That's going to be. Um, the last pre-show match that's going to go off about a half hour before the opening bell for the actual pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have, this is how the card is listed as of right now. I'm assuming they don't usually, they usually don't waver from the cards they post online. Yeah, you don't see any like the any big like surprises unless there's a battle royal. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of shuffling typically. So this is how it looks. Uh, they're going to open with the Junior Heavyweight Tag Title Match with Akira and TG, uh, TJP defending against the Junior Tag League winners, Yo and Leo Rush. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go into the Women's Title Match. Kyrie in her first defense gets Tam Nakano, mm-hmm. in which everybody's expecting two things. A, Kyrie to retain. B, Sasha Banks, Mercedes Vernado, whatever she's going to appear as, to be making an appearance to challenge... Kyrie to a title match at some point. But you see, word is that uh, Naomi followed her over there too. Well, that's all interesting because about 15 minutes before I pressed record to start this episode, oh. uh, news came out that uh, now it's not official word. And I usually take this person's news with a grain of salt, but friend Mr. Alvarez is reporting. <sighs> And Naomi is going to return to WWE. Well, yeah, we already knew that. So, Sasha. I'm just. I'm just <laughs> telling you what I'm seeing. 
I've been debating with basement goblins all weekend where they were just like, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, so can we all laugh at you when she shows up at Wrestle Kingdom? I was like, I never said she wasn't showing up at Wrestle Kingdom. I just said that all y'all thinking that she's a free agent because Meltzer said some shit fucking three months ago doesn't mean jack shit, especially when she's still listed on the WWE roster page as of five minutes ago. She's still on all of the bumper stuff, like the, the splash screen stuff on streaming services and Fox services for SmackDown. And they just replayed the episode of Barmageddon she was on again last night after Raw. Correct. And right. if anyone wants to debate with me about, well, why would she be? Why would she be in Japan? Nakamura is still over there right now. Carl Anderson's there tonight. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean shit in the Triple H world. Uh, after that, we've got the heavyweight tag title match scheduled. Uh, FTR defending against the World Tag League winners Yoshihashi and Kuroki Goto. Gee, I wonder who's winning that one. Uh, then we got the TV Championship Tournament Final between Ren Narita and ZSJ. For that awful-looking belt. The Never Openweight Championship match. Tama Tonga challenges Carl Anderson. Once again, gee, I wonder who's winning that one. Uh, the six-man tag, that'll be the final match in New Japan for Keiji Muto. They'll team with Tanahashi and Shoto Umino against Bushi, Sonata, and Naito. Mm-hmm. Junior Heavyweight Championship four-way match. Master Wado, El Desperado, Takahashi, and the champion Taiji Ishimori. <laughs> and then what's being officially labeled as a double main event because God forbid you don't label Kenny Omega as being in the main event, I guess. Right. Um, Omega against Osprey, um, which I don't know if you saw this, but things got a little heated between them at the press conference yesterday. Well, of course it did. Cause they've been fucking working a goddamn Twitter angle for fucking six months. Uh, and then the official main event, Okada, Winner of the G1 challenging Jay White for the World Heavyweight Championship. Which we all know Okada's going to win because he already dedicated it to the memory of Anoki. So that's that's the card. Nine matches on the official card. Three pre-shows, so that's a total of 12 matches. And the pre-show starting... The Young Lions matches are uh, projected to be starting around 320. So basically, they're going to do one pre-show match every half hour leading up to the official start of the show at 5 p.m. Is what it looks yeah. Like. I'm still on the fence as to whether I might re-up my Wrestle Kingdom, uh, my uh, my New Japan World subscription for one month to see it. Mm-hmm. It's like half of the half of the show is kind of predictable. And like the only like I remember the reason I stopped my subscription was back when they first put the title on Osprey because I said I would refuse to support a company that puts a title on a fucking sex predator. Right. So I don't know. Still up in the air. I mean, considering he's part of the double main event and the other part of the double main event is Kenny Omega. How do you see that going, by the way? I see Osprey retaining because it's like, I'm pretty sure like, they had to label it as a double main event to appease Tony Khan, but I'm pretty sure Gato is as fed up with AEW as AAA was. Okay. I wouldn't argue that, so that's all good by me. Like, because, like, they did Forbidden Door. AEW got the gate from that. Like, sure, sure the, the New Japan guys got a payday, but AEW got the gate, and almost none of the New Japan guys went over. Except for Osprey going over pockets. Yay. Yay. 
Um, just make sure. I think that's everything I've got for that. Yeah, looks right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so pretty much, is there anything? So are we going into this expecting? I'm assuming you're expecting Tomatonga to win the Never Point title. Yes. Um, I'm gonna go on the assumption, like I mentioned, Kyrie retains. Uh, yeah. You're expecting the heavyweight tag titles to change hands. You're expecting FTR to drop those. Yep. Uh, I couldn't begin to fucking tell you what they're gonna do with the junior heavyweight title in that four way. Yeah, I know that's always the one that's like. It doesn't really matter when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom. The junior heavyweight tag titles, I guess, depends how much of a hard on they really have for Leo Rush on. They're not going to give Leo Rush that. No. I mean, you can say your prayers and take your vitamins all you want. So just do that. Um, (laughs) Probably shouldn't have closed out the card before I decided to think of predictions. So please hold. Give me a second here. Um,. I'm almost positive uh, um, Muda's going to take the pin from Naito in that six in that six man. Okay. Because it's it's it feels it feels the same way as when Liger retired a few years back, and Liger Liger did the job in the six man he was in, and he laid down for it. Mm. Oh, the TV title match. <sighs> if they go based off the true definition of why they formed the title, you put it on Ren Narita, right? If you just Gonna do the same old bullshit you've been doing for five years. You then put it on ZSJ, right? Um, yeah, that pretty much yeah that covers all the matches. I think we pretty much covered all that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And like, plus, just the, so I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doubting Sasha's gonna show up there. I think she's just gonna show up as a hey, hi, and then to hype something like further down the road. With like a you know something co-branded or something you know she's she's gonna be there as an ambassador. I don't think she's gonna re- work t- tonight, and I don't think she's gonna be like a staple there. I mean, because there was obviously there was all that stuff that came out about like oh you know they wanted to bring her but they can't pay her as much. And she's the highest paid person, and I let Jericho to have a well, fucking you know. How tantrum. often? Well, here's the other thing. How often do you ever see New Japan have a talent perform completely unannounced on the card? Exactly. That was going to be my other point is like if they want to sell this and especially sell like American New Japan World subscriptions. Right. They would have said weeks before that she's going to be there, which offers me this other question. Given how broken we have deciphered the relationship is. Oh, well, all right, let me re- let me rephrase this. Mm-hmm. We've seen how broken the relationship is to the point of it being non-existent now, really, between triple A and AEW. Mm-hmm. Is relationship broken enough between AEW and New Japan where maybe WWE slides in and says, hey, let's do what you did with AEW, but bigger and better? I think no matter how broken it is, I'm almost positive the moment Tricks Trips took, took the book in Stanford that that was already on Gato's mind. Because Trips was already planning on making an NXT Japan years ago before the pandemic. Like when was the last time they were in Japan? Was that still when Brock was champion? 
No, no, no. They did they did a couple of spots in Japan after that. Because that's the thing is WWE would usually do like at least one Raw in Japan every year. And they haven't prior to uh, since before the pandemic. But like, yeah, because Beast in the East was the last big like thing that they did over there. Right, because they also had Finn and KO in that ladder match. For the match. NXT title. It wasn't a ladder match. It was just oh, not a ladder NXT match. Title. It was just a regular match, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that was what? <laughs> Kofi and Brock, right? No. That was Brock versus the entire New Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was peak fucking dipshit Brock. Okay, right. Okay. Where we buried fucking who ended up ended up two thirds of guys who ended up becoming WWE champion after that. We buried right. them. Yeah. Um that was you remember the opening match of that card? Are all participants still around today? They're still wrestling. That makes you think they're no longer WWE then. Um, nope. For some reason, I want to say the Revival? Nope. Was it a tag match or a singles match? Singles. Oh, Jesus. This, that makes it even harder. Um, who the fuck? Oh, was uh, was Jericho still doing yep. spot? Okay. And uh, Mox? Nope. Was Jericho and Neville? Jesus Christ. Who the fuck booked that shit? Ew. I mean, I'm also thinking about their current incarnations, not their yeah. incarnations from. They then. also had uh, Andrade yeah. work that show and come out in the La Sombra mask. All right. Yeah. 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 That feels like decades ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, anything else involved in Japan? I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, but like my thought process is, um, I mean, obviously you mentioned that the NXT, the, not the NXT, the uh, well, the developmental in Japan. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking like this could kind of be Trips' version of anything you can do. I can do exactly. better. Right. Um, I mean, anyone thinking though that we're going to get like Minoru Suzuki showing up in the Rumble out of this? No. Well, no. That's no. okay. I love Minoru Suzuki. The casual fan does not know who Minoru Suzuki is. Right. Like you 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 send him out in front of that audience in San Antonio, you might get a smattering. I was gonna say like a fifteen percent pop. Yeah. Like it's not gonna be like there's and like the even the biggest person on the on the New Japan roster isn't gonna make like at the rumble isn't gonna make that huge of a splash. Like like I would love it if Leo, like if if Okada popped out or if Kota Ibushi popped out, but it's not going to amount to the like it's not going to amount to what AEW thinks happens when they have a random Jap- Japanese guy come out on Dynamite. Right. You could at this point, even with how long he's been non-existent in the wrestling world, you could have Kota Ibushi walk out at Rumble, right. and you're not going to get right the desired response. Like the only person that would is Muda, but Muda's retiring the week before, so right. So that doesn't help you. Um. So, moving on. Uh, so we recorded. 
This supposed to hap this supposed to came out I could be wrong. But I wanna say news about this came out right after we recorded. I think I think it was the day after. Yeah. Uh so as far as impact is concerned, there's two main things. Number one, which we can just sweep over real quick, Rich Swan signs a two year deal. Congratulations, yeah. good for him. Yeah. The main news though was the passing of Don West. Mm-hmm. Um Don was uh let's see here. Don was fifty nine if I manage yep. correct. Mm-hmm. Um obviously a lot of a lot of different uh thoughts and condolences coming out from various people, both from impact, past and present, as well as even a reference to him in uh on SmackDown. Yep. Uh by Michael Cole. Um I think there was also a uh, reference to him, not reference to him, but like a, like a, like a, an RIP uh, message at the beginning of Rampage on Friday for AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, so Don, obviously a respected voice uh, from the broadcast booth. Obviously him, him and Tanae were like, when you think of prime TNA, you, those are the, that's like yeah. if you talk about Attitude Era WWE, you think of JR and the King. Right. Um you know the 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 golden era of TNA. You obviously think of Don and Mike as the the voices behind it. Yeah. Um. And uh, Don was always a huge proponent for the company, and I, I can vividly remember like um, out of the two, the one show that was still branded TNA that came to Albany before they got rebranded as Impact Wrestling in the blue and the blue and white color mm-hmm. layout. Yeah. The one TNA show, uh, I vividly remember Don West shilling merch mm-hmm. from start to finish at the show, whether it was That's at the merch stand, whether it was at the merch stand before the show they had on the mic or during the show in the ring. Uh Don was he was a company guy and uh, you had to respect the hell out of it and obviously um you know, a loss to the uh, the impact wrestling community. Yeah, I just remember like he he was always like insanely animated. Um, I just remember there was one there was one TNA pay per view, and I was at I was at Mike Milano's. Um, I just remember because because Mike used to sell sports cards and comics and stuff before before gotten getting in the wrestling business. So like he he you know he 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 knows like you know the the selling methods of the you know of your typical person like Don West because you know Don West used to do the QBC stuff and all that shit. And I just remember him he, saying he's like this guy's gonna have a fucking heart attack one day. Like he needs to calm down. And then, strangely enough, it wasn't heart related that Don passed from. Um, I just remember I died because like there was John Don West on the TV yet again, shilling something. And it was the pay-per-view where um, there was a bunch of shit going on where Mitchell was managing Abyss. And they were talking about they were uh, Sting had the secret of who Abyss's father really was or some shit like that. And freaking Mike just turns to the TV is like, oh my god, we're gonna go at it tonight. We're gonna find out. We got the Memorial Sting baseball bat. You get it, you buy it, and you get an autographed baseball card on the back of the on the back of the card is where they have the name of a business father. You gotta buy it right now. And I just lost it. That's pretty good, actually. That's pretty good. <laughs> Damn, that's that's pretty spot on. That was well done by you. It's like it's like 
it's funny you mention James Mitchell because when you when you think of Don West's voice, it's kind of used cars. Like James oh, Mitchell oh, gargling oh, asphalt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a way to put it. Um, yeah. Man, that's funny. Um, but yeah, definitely a uh, recipe to Don. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, his family. And uh, yeah, he'll definitely be fondly remembered by those who uh, remember his time within TNA. Yeah. Uh, as far as their TV is concerned, they just did one of their best of specials where they yeah. did like match. They talked about their match of the year knockout. The basically their year end awards. Yeah, episode is what it was. Yeah. Um, their go home for hard to kill is this coming Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, then hard to kill. Their their next pay per view is a week from Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we'll go over that next show. Uh, yeah. during episode eighty two. Mm-hmm. That all being said, good sir. We're skipping over all Japan? Or, yeah. Or Noah? We'll, we'll come back to that. We'll go back okay. to the end of the show. Okay. Um, I wasn't that sure. Is, that, that'll, that'll, that'll get its own kind of conversation at the end. Okay. With that so. being said, uh, I have somewhat extensive notes. Because uh, I actually forced myself to watch dynamite this week and uh, new year's that's mine <laughs> yeah basically that's that's essentially how i felt about dynamite and rampage this week but um yes. so i have a question yes sir at the very beginning of this show yes sir who is this penelope ford shotzi hybrid chick that mjf is with Oh, um, her name was, uh, uh, Donnie, uh, Donnie D. Or she, she's a local chick from Colorado. She's a local indie wrestler. Okay. They just said, like, usually anytime you see a girl like that with, with MJF, it's a local, it's a local indie girl. Okay. The only time it ever swayed from that was like, you remember there was that one time where he came out for that, like, celebration thing with the pinnacle. Right, and, and he kissed the girl on the ring apron. Yeah, but, that was yeah the there were the two girls on the apron. The one girl on his left was Gabby Ortiz from, um, uh, what do you call it, from, from Monster Factory. And the girl on the right was his actual girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it basically looked like Penelope Ford and Shotzi had a baby, and that's what came out. It's essentially what it looked like. Yeah. Um. Anyways, he's in the press box. Press box. He's in this a sky box, if you want to call it that. It's not, that big <laughs> not far up in the sky. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck. Oh, it was one of the VIP screen, boxes. Yeah. Sure. Um. Meanwhile, he watches Danielson as he beats Ethan Page, passes him out. Uh. Yep. I, my my exact note to start the show: Danielson versus the other Page to start. This will go twenty minutes, and we all know Brian is winning because he's the next to go after MJF. Right. Basically. And the only thing that was saving it was was MJF riffing over the match on the PA. They should have let him do that the whole match. That would have made it entertaining. Yeah. That would have been very funny. I let's say they, they've done that. Who's done that? They've done that before with somebody. Has AEW done on, that? I think they did it once. Or, it was probably on Rampage. That's why I probably can't remember it. Either that or I think that happened like back during the Pandemic days at daily, right? Maybe yeah, I can't remember. I remember, I remember it happening once or twice before, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. and I remember, I remember seeing Stokely wearing a baseball cap, and I said he's literally, literally wearing a baseball cap just so can Brian do a spot on the apron where he flips it off his head. Sure enough, 
call that one. Yeah. Um, then we get a video of Samoa Joe, and which leads to an interview with Wardlow backstage with Renee about their TNT title match later. Uh, Joe attacks Wardlow with a metal bat. More on that to come later. Um, yep, we, another week, another backstage attack. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I remember during the commercial break, I saw the commercial for Dana White's new endeavor, and I said, Power Slap looks ridiculous as fuck, but I bet it still draws a higher rating than Dynamite. Probably. Uh, then we get Hangman being interviewed in the trainer's room with Renee, basically trying to set up a match against Mox in LA in two weeks. Well, now it's one week. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, but I, I, I need I, I need to understand something here. Uh huh. So Claudio is your Ring of Honor champion, but we're gonna come out to Mox's. Yep. Yep. Because Ring of Honor doesn't matter now because um, they failed at getting an actual TV show. So now Ring of Honor goes on the back burner, and also we get Blackpool versus um, uh, Top Flight again for no reason. Babyface versus Babyface. By and way, if you get on a club right now, starting on the first, it was nine ninety nine a month, and it'll include, uh, I believe, it's over two thousand twenty five hundred hours of previous footage, including what started AEW all in. Yeah, you know something that was all already available on Honor Club. So, to come here and buy this. It's something we've already been offering for the last year, while we haven't put anything new on the server. And guess what's on there now too. I'm sorry. This is on Impact Plus now. My apologies. Uh, Ric Flair's last match, the entire card oh. is now available on Impact Plus. Right, right. Because Impact partially hosted that. Like, what the fuck? All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so the great thing about that tag match between fucking the, the Martin boys and, and Mox and Claudio Mox was the fact. somehow? He didn't bleed? Oh, I thought he did. No. Oh, um. So, during it, Tony Schiavone basically kept saying these these two kids are too green for TV, and Excalibur had to keep fucking stopping him. Oh, for fuck's sake! Because guess what? Tony Schiavone ain't watched wrestling in a dog's age, but even a broken clock is right twice a day. It's also not hard to point that out. And the, this is what they get for telling Tony that he needs to say something else besides like, oh, this is great, or blah, blah, blah. So Tony's just like, these kids are these kids are not experienced enough to be on TV. And so I was like, well, they've been together for blah, blah, blah. Doesn't fucking matter. They're green as goose shit and don't belong on TV. It's like Vince, not, Vince McMahon constantly saying on commentary, what a maneuver! Um, and the fucking... And, uh, what the fuck up was with Mox doing the paradigm shift on the floor for no reason? You're asking me to break down Mox's psychology? Exactly. Like this, the number one, you've already got babyface versus babyface again in this rematch from what happened on fucking Rampage, like anyone cares. And they're beating them again, so they're not giving them the rub. And it's not a blood feud. So why are you doing shit like you? Why are you giving the guy his, your finisher on the fucking concrete? Like, none of this works at all. No. None. None, yeah. 
And uh, the current ROH and former AEW world champion <laughs> are going 20 minutes with this tag, bro this brother tag team where one is always injured for six months while the other one flounders on YouTube. Uh, then we get best friends, Orange, Danhausen, and Kip Sabian backstage with Renee. Huckleberry Bunch. Kip wants a title match because he eliminated Orange in the Trios Battle Royal, but then Trent says he should have the title match because he eliminated Kip after Kip eliminated Orange. Twitch Orange says, fine. Trent, you get your shot first. For reasons. Sure. We're just going to try and split up the Sugar Hill gang, I guess. Um, because when we're, we're going to have Orange keep defending this meaningless-ass fucking... It's not even it's not even a tertiary belt. It's even lower now. It's like it, like that. Uh, see, this is what happens when you have too many fucking belts. So now, now you're trying to say it's on the same par as FT, the FTW title. That's basically. I don't know about that. It is. Speaking of the FTW title, Hook makes short work of uh, some poor local kid named Balaam Links. <laughs> if Hook is. weighs two hundred pounds, I still have two lengths. Right. Uh, then Stokely comes out with Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. Jungle Boy takes out Lee, then attacks Big Bill with a two by four. Almost hits Ka uh, Kaz in the fucking head with it. Mm -hmm. Fucking douche. Um. Then we get a Jericho backstage oh, pre hold on. about hold on. Oh boy, what did I miss? So here's why this is one of the debates I had where, where some basement coblin said I'm nothing but a mark. Um. Because people have been debating that, you know, Jungle Boy is, you know, that he's come so far in the past few years and yada, yada. Right. And I said, Jungle Boy is Jungle Boy is nothing. He's he he gets pushed because he's friends with the Bucks um, and because he may may have Hollywood connections somewhere, somehow, because his dad was Luke Perry. My proof of this came in this encounter because Jungle Boy comes running out to make the fucking run in. His music gets shut off three seconds in. The crowd's not cheering for Jungle Boy. They're just happy to be going. Oh, 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 oh. They could give a fuck less about the worker. They just want to sing along to the goddamn song because they're AEW fans and they clap like trained seals over fucking everything that Tony Khan gives them. And that was that was the given proof right there. They didn't give a fuck. They just wanted to sing. Then we got Chris Jericho backstage <laughs> tape, tape uh, about his match this coming week with Starks. Then we get Swerve and his two tattooed rejects backstage with Renee. They're interrupted by Yuta who then challenges Swerve to a match on Rampage. Because they go from taking out Keith Lee to Wheeler, Yuta. Yep. You know what this means? What? This means that because Tony is trying to placate to Swerve because he wants Swerve to be his best friend because Swerve has the best weed, and I'm not even joking, that now Mox and Claudio are going to have to carry... Great value Brock and Takashi 34 and a half along with Swerve in trios matches for the next two months. 
Oh. Uh, then we get Death Triangle and the Elite starting off backstage. Kenny basically said, fuck this shit, apparently, because he's been willingly, he willingly did a bunch of shit in this Falls County where match that nobody in their right mind should be taking less than a week before they fly to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom, but fuck it, whatever. And here's the other thing. The match started backstage. They gave themselves the out to actually put on something fucking palatable. Because one, so going back to the beginning of the show, once again, here we are three years in and Tony still doesn't know how to space out a television program where you can't go through a single fucking non-squash match without a picture in picture. Right. So he still can't balance out a television show correctly, which I'm sorry, but there's no reason for it this far in. I, I'll, I And I will repeat that every week. But you have this match start backstage. You have the perfect out to actually arrange something and time it with, with your fucking television show where you can have a backstage fight segment and you can pre-tape it earlier in the day and make it look maybe halfway decent and have a bunch of interaction back there that leads out to them coming into Gorilla and out into the arena and cut to regular. No. No, no. that's too much? No. That would require guys being there earlier in the day? Just, just no. Because, you know, even indies have a fucking call time, but apparently AEW doesn't. Nah, fuck it. I just want to know we're taking a brain buster on a stack of wooden pallets and then doing the one wing angel uh-huh. 15 feet up on a table makes fucking sense for Kenny, but whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and that should have been the finish because no one kicks out of the one winged angel. It was the finish. Oh, it was? Him yeah. putting Ray Phoenix through the table with the one winged angel was the finish. Oh, okay. Because well, remember there he, was the, there was the that, two finishes at once. That's what it was. That was the finish. Right, but like half, but the thing was like they had the d- disputed finish because over at the other part there was fucking someone with like uh, what do you call it? one of the bucks was tapping out. He clearly wasn't tapping till after the three though. I know, but that that was the the whole controversy. It wasn't controversy. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I know, but that's what they're trying. They're trying to milk something out of this that nobody fucking cares about. And just because Death Triangle's involved, that doesn't have to be called Escalera de la Muerte. Just call it a fucking ladder match, okay? No, man, you not, got it. Because Mexican... not every ladder match has to be called Escalera de la Muerte just because you have Hispanics in it, okay? It does. It does in AEW because they can't very well just you know, they can't they can't call things other things because then they don't have their own branding. Listen, we know Excalibur can speak Spanish, okay? We fucking get it. It's so just like fucking. It's just like their War Games knockoff has to be called Blood and Guts, and they're fucking. What do you call it? And and the the like. You know, every I'm surprised that they didn't have another name for the false count anywhere match because every time they do a false count anywhere, it's either always a lights out match or it's stadium stampede or it's arena in the anarchy or some or anarchy in the arena or some shit like that. They have to have names for everything because Tony Khan's a fucking mark. Well, then we get a claimed and daddy ass music video about Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Cringe. Can I just? I have this to say though. And this is to the defense of some shit that's come out since regarding some of the lyrics by Max Caster. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, look, Max Caster put his foot in his mouth again. Here's my surprise face. If you're Jeff or Karen Jarrett, and you don't want some of the lyrics you think, because you know Max pushes the envelope with his, his rap lyrics. That's been his that's been his thing for three years now. If you don't know in advance, he's probably gonna put something in there involving the two of you or Kurt Angle, maybe. Why don't you fucking go to him ahead of time instead of getting all butthurt in the in the in the end in the end process? Because that would make sense. This is this is the play, this is the sandbox, dude. This is literally you this is like Max writes this shit and doesn't run it by anybody. Tony Khan just gives him some money and goes, here, go film this at the fucking park down the street so we can air it tonight. And then they just put it on without Tony Khan even viewing it. And of course they're not gonna of course they're not gonna run it by Jeff and Karen, which I'm sorry, but Jeff, this is one of those times where I say Jeff Jarrett's a cunt. Jeff Jarrett has been in this business longer than I've been fucking alive. And Thank he's you. still and he still fucking can't fucking blur a line between fucking shoot and work. Oh, you hurt my feelings. Oh. That, yo, this goes back to when I was still a fucking greenhorn and I called him out at a QA for the time he walked out when he walked out of the fucking uh, NWA pay-per-view because they wouldn't put the belt back on him. He's like, dude, it's a fucking prop. Shut the fuck up. My feelings, man. And meanwhile, Karen Karen, Karen Jarrett never belonged anywhere near a fucking wrestling ring. Well, we know that. And she, she or she's like, oh, they said my name. So now I can go and try to drag Kurt's name through the mud because Kurt's getting a WWE paycheck again. Oh, yeah. Because on top of that, not only did they get butthurt over Max's rap. Now they're saying Kurt cheated on her with like eight ch- different chicks on the roster. Specifically, Barbie Blank when she was fucking 19. Yep. Like, and she was like, with Test. But Karen. Shove Jeff's stick back in your mouth and shut up, all right? Like, give me a break. God damn. Why don't you go marry another wrestler? I hear Jay Lethal's pretty available right now. Don't don't you wish that evil upon Jay Lethal. Sorry, I, I apologize. Oh, God. Oh, so you're saying, oh, so we're basically saying Jeff's another one of those guys? Put the belt on me. I beat everyone. Is that what we're saying? Oh, yeah, that's always been Jeff Jarrett. I'm well aware. I'm just looking around. Um, but yeah, if if you like, come on. Even I learned. Check your feelings at the fucking door. Come on. Right. Christ Almighty. Um. Then. Oh, wait, wait. Next, we got some of our with a watch. Mm-hmm. As uh, Ty Mello and Anna J beat Ruby and Willow in a tag match. This is also the tag match I do remember correctly. That Ty Mello skipped Triple Mania. Pulled out a Triple A for. Yeah, because they couldn't wait on this. No, it could. They could have waited till Seattle. Come on, boo, boo. Mm -hmm. Not to mention. Okay, you know something? The, the the one thing that I noticed in this match that was fucking terrible, and this goes to show that AEW's referees are not real referees. Oh, you're talking about the referees. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to say what I was going to say then. Anna Jay was the illegal man in that match for two minutes. Okay. There was literally a spot where Anna Jay tagged Matai Mello and then was in the ring doing stuff for two Do you remember who the ref was? Was it Aubrey? I think it was Aubrey. That doesn't shock me. Two fucking Um, minutes. uh, 
I have another question though. Mm-hmm. Why did it seem like they were building as if Ruby took exception to Willow's? How should I put this? Excited nature. I have no clue because supposedly they want to start pushing a women's tag division and for a women's tag title, and they want to make Ruby and Willow a thing. At least you know this week. Then we got Gun Club leaving the building, and Lexi runs them down. And they tell Lexi they'll address their win over FTR in Seattle. Sure, great. Um, then we got Ricky Starks backstage with Renee talking about his match with Jericho this coming week. Um, then We've we already get written to, off Action Andretti. <laughs> then we get to well, yeah, I mean a fireball of the face from the Wizard. We'll do something <laughs> like that to you. Um, but then we get to the 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 the, the shit show of all shit shows. Uh, I like to begin by saying this. Apparently, we can't remember over less than a two-hour span, which leg we're supposed to fucking limp on. <laughs> Hold on. Back it up. Back it up. Uh, we're going to they... attack the left knee during the segment, but we're going to limp off the right knee. Back it up. Before that, there was a Jade Cargill interview. Um, was there a Jade interview? I, completely I think so, but they also they announced that Jade was defending the the the, the, the TBS title. I, uh, you're right. So tell me why, again, why the TNT title is never get actually, uh, is or the TBS title is never actually defended on TBS, but is, is defended on TNT. Because Jade Cargill wasn't good enough for live TV. Yeah, no shit. But also, um, remember like three weeks ago, there was supposed to be this shit with Bow Wow bringing in someone. Whatever happened with that? Well, the way they're playing this off right now, it's it basically like the baddies are falling apart one by one because Red Velvet is issue with Jade Cardgill now. Yeah. So maybe they're gonna make this into a tag thing with Layla Gray and Jada and Jada. Wow, she's not Pinkett Smith. Layla Gray and Jade versus Velvet and Kira, and that's when Bow Wow gets. I, I, I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't fucking. But that know. makes no sense because Bow Wow been there since before all the dissension started, and it's just I they just completely know. forgot about it. I know, but I honestly feel like about. I feel like Tony Khan was that stupid in thinking that Sasha's fucking contract was actually up and was trying to contact her to throw money at her and she never returned his fucking calls or texts and right. now he's just trying to forget about the Bow Wow thing Bow Wow Wow yippee yippee Oh, wrong Bow Wow? Okay, sorry No um, Don't insult George Clinton like that So, Warlow didn't know what leg to limp on, number one. Uh-huh. Then we finally start selling the correct knee during the match. Mm-hmm. In the end, uh, Josef de Samoa, I don't fucking know, Samoa <laughs> Joe, uh, retains by choking out Warlow. Then Warlow wakes up. Joe says, fuck this shit. Lays him out with the belt. Why was why was a guy with an why was a three hundred pound guy with an uh, and uh, with a leg injury doing a senton bomb by the way, and then a fucking springboard? Like, let's take it out. Let's let's let let's take the injury out of the equation just for a moment, shall we? We'll just we'll just take it, put a pin in it. Why is a three hundred pound hoss in a hoss fight doing flips? So, 
Maybe he's watched too many Brian Cage matches. This is for a secondary mat t title match on fucking free TV. Uh, again, I submit maybe he's watched too many Brian Cage matches. Yep. And by the way, it's not only Wardlow's fault because for the finish, Joe chop blocked the wrong leg. Didn't matter to that point with how much of a clusterfuck the match already was. Yes, because Joe is supposed to be the veteran. <laughs> People wonder why I fucking hate Samoa Joe. Listen to yourself. And, and, and that whole match's psychology was work the leg, work the leg, work the leg, work the leg. Why the fuck is the finish a choke out? Because it's Joe. Because Samoa Joe's fucking terrible. That's basically what I just said. I know. I'm just reiterating because I can never reiterate how much Samoa Joe is fucking terrible. Because uh, I've been I'm hearing for 20 fucking years differently, and I'm telling you, I'm telling people they're wrong. I have another question. Yes. Since when did Wardlow become Samson from the Bible? Right. We're expecting cutting off his ponytail, just take all his powers away. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah. That you know something? He he ripped off a fucking promo I did fucking three years ago. You can go find it on YouTube. Wardlow ripped it off? Joe ripped it off. The time me and Kruger took uh, Joe Campbell there and snip. That's nice. Um, and then Darby... Hi, and then Darby attacks Joe to go off the air because... Sure. You know something? Number one. Number one. Just... Okay, we're going to take this. We're going to put this over here. Darby... Is 130 pounds soaking wet and does not look like a threat to a fucking 300 pound Samoan. But on top of that, Joe beat Darby flat the week before. Why the fuck is Darby now a threat? Maybe Joe we'll beat him flat and then laid him out afterwards with the fucking strip with the fucking fucking skateboard. So he should be on the fucking shelf. But nope, here comes back Superman girlfriend beater Darby Allen. And he gets another shot in AEW where they don't do rematches, especially for titles. Yeah. Would you like me to bring you through Rampage? Fucking bullshit! Yeah, please. I, I want to know what, because uh, I want to talk about the, I want to talk about Rampage's ratings afterwards, because that shit's funny. Rampage. First of all, Paul White's on commentary instead of Jericho. All the stuff. Uh, well, I mean, that's what he got hired to do fucking three years ago. Uh, Orange retains over Trent Beretta. Okay. And then Trent just walks out, walks back to the locker room without the other three because Chuck and Dan Housen were also ringside for this. Mm -hmm. Then we get footage from Wednesday night at Dynamite. Tony backstage catching Sting and Darby for an interview. Letting Darby know he's getting a shot at the TNT title on Dynamite in Seattle. Um, within which Sting eventually tells Darby to stop worrying about what everyone thinks and just fucking win it, basically. Meh! 
Sure. Uh, then Kip Sabian beats some poor jobber that they only said his name once. It was in passing. I couldn't fucking catch it, so I have no name for him. Sorry. <laughs> the match was less than 90 seconds. I have no fucking clue who it was. Um, Elliot Preston Vance interviewed. Oh, but he's team. not Preston Vance anymore. Perro Peligroso. He is white. Um, eventually says at the end of the interview that if uh, some along the lines of if making a little boy sad was all I had to do to get over, I would have done it three years ago. Something to that nature. I don't fucking know what he said. Something like that. Which is funny because Brody have fun didn't and impact died. in six months. Brody didn't die until two years ago, but that's okay. Right. Um and then we get Moxley doing an in-ring promo on Hangman trying to build for the match that's seemingly happening on the eleventh. <laughs> uh then we get Asanje, Lethal, and Jarrett pre-tape about the tag title match this coming week on Dynamite. And we get Jade retaining the TBS title over Kira Hogan. Um, and Red Velvet walks out right after the match on her own, leaving Gray and Cargill alone. Then they show Hater cutting a pre-tape about the tag match against Saray and whatever her mystery partner is going to be on the 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get Sterling, Nice, and Woods backstage with Lexi. Sterling basically announces Nice versus Danielson for Dynamite this week. Yay. And then we get Swerve beating Wheeler Yuta to end the night after uh, the ref took a bump. Swerve delivers a low blow, hits the JML driver, and gets the pinfall. Boy. That's your Dynamite. God bless America. That was, that was your rampage. Rampage, so, uh, Dynamite. It's all garbage anyways. Who so yeah, so, um, so the overall viewership of Rampage was 433,000 people, which is down from the week before and down from a year before. But that's not the funny part. Because, you see, um, they had to go, because fucking Meltzer had to go and drag out the fucking demo bullshit again. Oh, lovely. When they talked about, he said, Dynamite beat Raw this week. Dynamite yeah. did not beat Raw. Raw overall had more viewers. Dynamite quote unquote beat raw in the 18 to 49 demo by 0.01 that is a margin of error fucking amount plus raw was a clip show but that's not the funny part go go ahead I know, but here's where it gets funnier. Oh boy, here we go. So, since Meltzer wants to play the, the, the demo game again, here's the demos for Rampage. The 18 to 49 demo. Uh, da, 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 da. The 18 to 49 demo was down 49, uh, f- sorry, down 47% versus last week and down 49% for 2021. But if you want to look at the actual numbers, <clears throat> uh-huh. the 18 to 34 zero, the, the 18 to 34 demo for Rampage scored a 0. 0.0. 0. 
Which means, as much as AEW wants to talk about the demo and how important it is, this has proven that the core AEW audience is literally between 35 and 50 years old. So you're talking miserable elder millennials and late Gen Xers. There's a joke there somewhere, but I think I'll leave it alone for now. <laughs> um, so I have a couple of things now to mention real quick. Number one. So as part of their new look that's being debuted tomorrow, the fact that now as of Rampage this past Friday, they're using the old NBA on NBC music under Excalibur show preview reads. That's the that's the song. Remember two weeks ago, Tony Khan said we finally got the rights to pay for this song, and I'm so happy because it's one of my favorites of all time. It was the NBA on NBC theme. Oh my god, you're not a basketball program. Who the fuck cares? Yep. <sighs> okay. Secondly, uh, what? What the fuck makes Justin Roberts so goddamn special he can pick and choose the events he wants to fucking announce? Reasons. Like, last I checked, the ring announcers at WWE don't get to pick and choose what fucking dates they work there for TV. Unless you're Lillian Garcia and you had an album coming out, but that's a completely different, like, kettle of fish. Right, it's not like Justin has a fucking side hustle. Right. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Writing another book? Oh, yay. That doesn't mean you take work off. Oh, no. I'm sorry, Tony's trying to be too much of a friend instead of a boss. I know. Well, yeah, that's been the case the entire time they've been in business. Fuck ridiculous. Which is becoming even more evident. So, um, uh, one of the great things over the past couple of nights is, um, the last year of the of the of, oh, sorry, the last the last week of the year, usually uh, Cornette takes off from his podcast, and they they basically do some clip shows or whatever they put together omnibuses. So they came, they put together an omnibus this year, which is fucking phenomenal. And it's called the mind of Chris Jericho omnibus. Oh, Christ almighty. And it's all the times over the past few years where like, there's been something where Jericho has talked about his influence on AEW or has gone after Cornette or this, that, the other thing. And it is like, and I was, you know, I, I heard most of that stuff as it happened, but some of the stuff, like you just kind of forget because like so much bullshit happens. So you can go back and listen to this six-hour block of shit. Of so much delusional shit from Chris Jericho. And you can track the fucking downward spiral of AEW alongside it. With Chris Jericho's bullshit. Sounds great. And it, oh! And, oh. I almost forgot. Speaking of podcasts. Oh, I think you're going to bring up what I was going to bring up anyway. A couple of notes here. Number one, Mr. Harwood has, let's just say, not received the greatest of reviews from his coworkers about his podcast when he was talking about CM Punk last week. I wanted to talk about that. Uh, The other part of it is apparently... Uh, he opened mouth inserted foot again with this week's episode two of his podcast. Oh. Yes, we put as uh, on the Mount Rushmore 
of tag teams. Oh god, it's gonna be someone stupid. It's gonna like the Bucks, right? You're correct. Fucking idiot. I don't know the rest of this. That's just the article I read. Just had the quote about him talking about the Bucks. Yeah. So I want to talk about that because I, I tried watching some of that podcast. And I just I can't. Like I tried. Yeah, that, that, once again, my problem with FTR is Dax Harwood. Because as a team, I think they're great. And I think Cash Wheeler is a great talent, great technician. Dax Harwood constantly puts his foot in his mouth. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I saw a lot of stuff about how, like, half the locker room isn't happy with how he basically went to bat for Punk and all this stuff. Um, yeah. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because that was a situation where you shouldn't have said a goddamn word because both sides were fucking wrong. So you sit back and you don't say a goddamn thing. Correct. Literally the dude who you do who you shoot the shoot with you shoot the shit with on the show should have said blah 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 the brawl out. You could have just very well said, "Yeah, I got a phone call from Punk that night." I said, "Oh my god, I don't believe it." But you know, besides that, I have no comments on it because I wasn't there. And I understand people have issues, but it's not my business. And that's where you fucking leave it. Because if you side with Punk, you're in the wrong. If you side with the Bucks, you're in the wrong. Plain and simple. I've been saying this for, you know, it's like everyone's like, oh, you got to choose a side between Punk and Omega. No, you don't, because they're both assholes. I can choose neither. <laughs> that's how shit like that works. It's like, yo, know, and it's like, it's like the old saying, which Dax Harwood got wrong on his show. And that's because he tried saying the quote that it's a very, it's a very famous quote, but he seems to not get it right. Here is the quote, Dax. There are three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth. And none of us are lying. That is the quote. By the way, did you see one of the marches on Dark is tonight? No. <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr. against Christopher Daniels. Jesus. Like, what's the point? All right. <laughs> this is completely unrelated to what we were just talking about, but we need to rewind back to something. Okay. Are we just going to keep throwing out random names of WWE women's wrestlers? That are showing up for Wrestle Kingdom until we're proven incorrect about these names. Of course. Because now I'm scrolling through Twitter and apparently Bailey's going there. I'd pop. After just being in Nashville last night. I mean, it's it's a long flight, but she could do it. I I'd laugh too. And like, so the whole thing is everyone is like, once again, they're like, oh, well, Sasha just filed the trademark for the name Monet Banks. And? That doesn't mean shit. That means that she could be coming back as that name. 
none of this makes like in all honesty i like if she was to show up in another company she wouldn't have a name that similar wwe would not allow it they would file a fucking trademark infringement on it right away oh well we'll get to that when we get to wwe news because i just thought of something on that basis but yeah but yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's just, there was another match I saw that was advertised for AEW. I was like, fucking really? It was, uh, you could, AR Fox is already relegated to dark. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I knew this was going to happen. And now we're probably not going to see Will like Willow on Dynamite was literally incidental this past week. Because now I feel like that's done because what, what was it? After the match was done, someone else was like inserted in. I forget who. Oh, no, it was the fact that Willow was probably hurt during that match. Oh. Stupid shit. Mm-hmm. All right. So, given where we left off last week, should probably, since we're jumping into WWE, I'm assuming start with NXT, work our way. Sure. Because I got a lot of fucking shit to say here. I know, but it was, you need to look at it this way. Well, you just gotta, you gotta take a deep breath and realize that it is a new year. And within the next week or so, Sean will no longer have the book there. Can I know why we're building Julius Creed so much as a singles guy? Because the experiment of having them as a tag team failed. Who thinks this experiment's any better? Because the fact that Brutus has forgotten um, to start counting his calories. So Brutus is going to start looking like Otis and they think that Julius is the only one in the gym. So they want to put so Sean wants to put stock in Julius. Again, who makes this think this is a good experiment? Sean can't book. That's that's your answer. Sean thinks it's a good idea because Sean can't book. You may not like him, but I don't get him beating JD McDonough to open NXT. Me neither. Especially because JD McDonough was this world beater who kept getting inserted into the fucking in, title into the picture. title picture, yet he just got beat by half of a fucking Greenhorn tag team. And then the Creeds get confronted by Indusheer after, and apparently their match is now on for New Year's Eve. Finally, yay! <sighs> then we get Tony D and Stax backstage with McKenzie. Who cares? A schism pre-tape. I mean, their shit's always good, so whatever. Yeah. Um. Wendy Chu beats Cora Jade like. Which they've they've exchanged victories, so it's kind of meaningless. Great, and that the whole fucking basis of that was proof positive of Sean not knowing how to book a program. Like, why is Wendy Chu after her? Because she reminded me of how a girl threw a drink at me when I was at a slumber party when I was twelve. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't know what to do anymore. I just think. Like I said, you guys I mean, I take a deep I, breath. Let me put it this way. I don't hate Wendy Chu. I like Wendy it's, Chu. It's... 
I just don't like the gimmick. Thank you. That pretty much that's pretty much where my mind's at. Um. Then we got Briggs Jensen and Henley backstage because apparently Jensen Scoop. still has the hots for Keanu James. Yeah, because it's the Scooby Doo villain thing, dude. Um, and what did I tell you? What did I fucking tell you was going to happen? With they were going to fight for the deed to the bar. Oh, we're, the, we're please hold. We'll get there. Then we get uh Reggie. I mean scripts. Scripts beating Inky Man Jiro and then taking the jacket he had stolen from Jiro and placing it over Jiro after the match. Mm-hmm. Flag so on the a, cowboy. So we had a program about a fucking jacket. Flag on the cowboy. Didn't we just have a program about something being stolen from someone before this? It's not about the thing being stolen though, because that's the thing is Sean went from the Sean went from the jacket being stolen to doing Bill Watts. But the thing was there was no there's no reason to do it. Sean fell into the Cody fucking like I wouldn't be surprised if Cody is trying to book shit at the PC right now because he's still injured. Sean was with Bill Watts for all of what? It doesn't matter. Sean was with Bill Watts. Everyone knows the Bill Watts flag on the cowboy angle. So unnecessary. Right. But that's exactly what they did. It's exactly what Cody ripped off with fucking Ogogo back in the day. I mean, at least Ogogo kind of sort of had a chance. Reggie has no chance. I know. Uh, then they did a vignette for Earl Mensa because we just decided to forget about him after the ladder match for North American title months ago. Right? Like, dude, he's been there. <laughs> then we get Alba Fire pre-tape about uh, anything goes match against Isla Dawn. That's apparently going to be tonight. Yep. Lovely. Because, uh, oh, Isla Dawn apparently smashed Alba's bat on her hand at one point, and now the panda's wrapped. I, I guess must I missed, have missed that. that. Some point. Yeah. I remember her blowing dust in her face. I don't remember smashing a hand with a bat. Uh, then Valkyria beats Lash Legend. Thank you. There is a god. Um, <laughs> then we get Gigi Dolan and JC Jane with a pre-tape. I don't know what the okay. fuck they're going to do with those two. Uh, I swear, I, if I hear one more stupid fucking basement goblin say that Chelsea Green's going to come in to replace Mandy Rose. Oh, good. Let's go from Mandy Rose to Great Value Mandy Rose. Not that Mandy Rose was anything spectacular, but fuck me. Uh-huh. Um, then we get Braun Breaker backstage with McKenzie. They show him a video message from Grayson Walla. Ugh. And then they have Braun throw a TV into the lockers very horribly. Right. Because we are like, because they, once again, here, here Sean rehashes Brett and Goldberg for fuck's sake. Then we get Schism beating Blade and Nofe and Odyssey in six-man tag action. Good, because I love Blade and Nofe, but fuck Odyssey Jones. Mellow and Trick backstage interview with McKenzie. Oh, who the fuck was this about? Don't tell me. Um, Apollo. Oh, Apollo Cruz. That's right. Thank you. Um, then we get the battle for the bar. Mm-hmm. Which might as well have been a battle for a fucking shot, because that's about as much as this match was worth entertainment wise. Yep. Uh, Fallon Henley ends up winning, so she keeps her bar for the family. Yay. Yeah, it's Christmas miracle. Roxanne backstage with Mackenzie. I'm honestly shocked she didn't get interrupted at some point by somebody, but. Right. Sure. 
<laughs> um, we're just going to leave her out in the wind dangling a week now before New Year's Evil going into tonight's show. Well, I mean, you know, it's they kind of had to hot shot the belt on to her. So they really they were planning on dragging this out until New Year's Evil when she was supposed to win the belt. Well, you can just as easily hot shot somebody onto her. So let's. Yeah, they could. Uh, then we get Isla Dawn's pre-tape answering Alba's challenge for this week. Uh, where am I at? My notes. Oh, so apparently Hank Walker is now a pupil of fucking Drew Gulak is what we're yeah. doing now. Yep. So Drew Gulak was doing an invitational with Hank Walker observing. Mm-hmm. He demonstrates a chicken wing on some doofus named Luca. Mm-hmm. Rolls around with some schmuck named Tavion eventually puts him into a modified sharpshooter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then does stand up work with some modified, no, modified uh, mm-hmm. amateur wrestler dude thing called miles. And eventually puts him in a dragon sleeper. Mm-hmm. Then Charlie Dempsey says, fuck this shit. And uh, says he wants to face Hank this coming week. And Drew says, sure. Fuck it. Why not? Uh, main event, Wesley retains over Tony D, clean with nothing involving Dijak whatsoever anywhere in this match. No, I thought Dijak yanked, uh, Dijak came out and yanked stacks at the end of the match, so he couldn't interfere. I must have missed that part. I, yeah, I, it was right, I, it was right near the finish. Um, I'm, I totally missed it. Like, Stax was going to come up to knock Wesley off the top rope, and Dijak just came. What do you call it? Stax was going to knock Wesley I didn't off the top even see rope. And Dijak just comes out and yanks him and yanks him back to through the aisle way. Oh, I didn't even see that. I thought, <clears throat> for whatever reason, I thought Tony D was just telling Stax to fuck off. I, I, I missed No, that. no, no. Dijak yanked him out. <laughs> so, Dijak is basically saying, I want Wesley, not not that. Uh, Right, which Dijak should be going, I want Braun Breaker. At this point, just give him somebody to fucking... Well, I mean, because look at it. <clears throat> look at look at the shambles that Sean has left the title picture in. You're going into New Year's Evil, and you've got Braun Breaker facing fucking Grayson Waller, who no one's expecting Grayson Waller to go over. And then what do you have after that? You have nothing. You very well can't have Dijak do the job clean to Wesley and then go, I want Braun Breaker in the same fucking night. And then what do you do? You go back to J.D. McDonough, who just did the job to fucking fucking Julius Green? No. So what the fuck do you do? What if... Now, I know it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but what if Wesley was a smokescreen to Braun Breaker? That would be nice, but Sean's not that smart. Which is why I'm hoping Regal comes in and goes, sit the fuck down. This is what we're doing. Sit in the corner and take notes like Paul Heyman back in the 80s during Dusty Rhodes booking. Exactly. Um, yes, I just basically verbatim quoted Paul Heyman's documentary. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. Um, well, sit down, kid. Take some notes. Um, We're going to make movies. Second most recognizable athlete in the world, baby. <laughs> Are you brother love? Sorry, I don't know why. I don't know why that episode of story time popped in my head just now. Dude, did you see the fucking footage fucking surfaced oh. of the of the stupid gay cowboy character that Bruce Pritchard was trying to play on Superstars? Oh Jesus, no. Yeah, I'll send you the link afterwards. It was like it was one interview segment on Superstars with Sean while he was Intercontinental Champion. And he was like, he was basically like, 
like a like an effeminate cowboy who still sounded like Brother Love doing an interview segment. It only lasted one segment. Um, there is one more thing from NXT I need to bring up. Yes. This happened literally earlier today. Okay. Probably some weird random Twitter account named at NXT underscore anonymous. Oh, God. Released video showing Caden Carter and Katana Chance speaking with a doctor in the trainer's room. And then a woman's voice was added to the video saying, everyone has their secrets in NXT. What's yours? Oh, God. They're trying to do the GTV shit. And then Caden and Katana have both separately replied to this video. Obviously, this is going to be an in-character thing, but that's just fucking creepy. They're doing GTV again. No! That led nowhere. Oh, yeah, duh. So, why are they going to do this to me? Once again, a preview tonight, Grayson Waller effect with the contract signing between Waller and uh, Breaker. Axiom one-on-one against Trick Williams. That's what I was thinking of. Because Trick was talking about Axiom. Carmelo oh, okay. was talking about Cruz. Yeah. So Axiom takes on Trick. Apollo takes on Mello. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn in what's being called an extreme resolution match. Sure. We'll roll with that. Okay. Let's just if it's it- going to be an extreme resolution, why wouldn't you have that at New Year's Eve? Fucking Sean! Like, what do they expect? Kane to come out and throw one of them into a burning dumpster? I mean, sorry, that's such an old angle. My bad. Um, <laughs> and they're not named Shane McMahon. Um, God, what? That was a. Was that even a pay per view? That was on Raw, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Jesus Christ, they did anything, didn't they? Um, speaking of clusterfucks. <laughs> who books this shit? Um, oh, my brain. Um, and what's weird is I've grown so accustomed to AEW hurting my brain that I've become essentially numb to my brain hurting with them. So when my brain hurts for anything WWE related, it really fucking hurts. Um, so, all right. So this is how we start the show. Bray comes out mm-hmm. as Bray. Uh-huh. He's apologizing for attacking a cameraman the week before on the pre-taped SmackDown. Mm-hmm. That was pre-taped, I believe. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he's apologizing. Uh, oh, no, he was just apologizing to the cameraman. Then LA Knight comes out, mm-hmm. starts his shit. Mm-hmm. And LA Knight basically says, fuck all this. I'm challenging you for the World Rumble. Mm-hmm. Bray basically says, you don't want to do that, but okay. Mm-hmm. To which then, Uncle Howdy comes out. I don't think that was Uncle Howdy. Everything about the dress. It was a different mask. All right. So somebody that they're labeling is Uncle Howdy. Was that okay? That better? Well, that that the, I think it's going to come out in the wash over the next week or so. They find out that that was an Uncle Howdy. 
that that was Uncle Harper. Because remember, they trademarked both those names. Fuck all. Whatever. Some schmuck dressed kind of sort of like Uncle Howdy, kind of like Uncle Harper. Who the fuck knows? Uncle, <laughs> Uncle jerk my dick, all right? How about that? <laughs> comes out, stands between Bray and L.A., then stands beside Bray as if to be taking his side in the matter, and then says, fuck yo shit, and gives Bray Sister Abigail and walks away. Mm-hmm. To which L.A. Knight basically says, what the fuck? What are we doing? I feel like this is what's going to happen. Because it's just complicating everything. It's complicating everything, but it's got people asking questions, which is a good thing. This is what I think. Because this goes back to everyone going, blah, 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 the Wyatt Six, and there's no such thing as the Wyatt Six. What's going to happen is, and they apparently they announced on commentary later in life that that, in fact, is going to be the pitch black match. So you were right. What I believe is during that match, Uncle Howdy and Uncle Harper are both going to appear and they are going to lay out Bray and LA Knight either during the match or after the resolution of the match. It's at that point we are going to find out that this whole thing has been a ruse by someone to manipulate Bray and to manipulate Alexa. And because if you notice the shit that's happening with Alexa, they keep trying to say Bray, but it's just because of the death's head moth where it's someone else that's been doing the fuckery that way that will lead into a, um, a feud for Bray going into mania season. Um, I don't believe that it's Bo Dallas. I think that's stupid. Anyone who says it's Vincent. No. Because the casual WWE fan does not know who Vinny Marsigli is. Yeah, that, that just wouldn't get over. And the, yeah, the reveal would be a fart in church. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, Vinny, love you. But no one knows. It has to be someone who people will go, holy shit. Which leads me to believe that Trips is holding his card super close to his chest on this. Much like he did with Jonah. Because no one knew Bronson Reed was coming back. And then boom, he pops up out of nowhere. Granted, that was not a that was not as much of a fucking boom as Trips hoped. But all right, well let's 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 dive into that then. Mm-hmm. Who would he possibly have his cards kept so close about? I don't know. I've been trying to think of, and I'm and I don't know. But because you think of it, like no one, no one's gonna give a fuck if it's Modalis, right? Like, and it's got to be someone that, like, can pull off that manipulative thing. Like, it's it's not going to be Orton. Right. Even though that would have made sense in the long run. Right. But it's not going to be Orton. And it's got to be someone who can manipulate Alexa. It's it's weird. It's, it's... I... But it's one of those things where I'm happy to not be in the dark about it. There's... I just had the most random fucking name pop up in my head. What's that? But I, it's been so long. (sighs) 
Oh, I don't even know if it's even worth bringing up the name, but fuck it, I'll throw it out there. Um, what's the fucked up character Adam Rose did in NXT before he became Leo Kruger? No, no, yeah, no. that's that's the only thing that even because no. I'm trying to think of people who could. Why did everyone always have a hard on for Leo Kruger? I thought that character was awful. I didn't, I didn't have a hard. I'm just saying. Oh no, no, I'm not saying you. But I'm just thinking the guys that I think could potentially fall into that kind of story. Right, exactly. Actually, and pull it off. Right. I just... I... Right, we don't know. Is there somebody with that maybe is on impact right now we're not thinking of? Mm-hmm. Because I can't think... Right, can't really think. Because now I'm also trying to think of height and build... According and that's to... the other that's the other thing that I think is being played as a ruse. I think they're just having random random workers dress up as these guys to throw people off the beaten path. Because everyone's like, oh look, that building that like everyone's been doing the Photoshop of that mask over Bo Dallas's face to be like, look, it matches when it doesn't you, match. You it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but there's if we're good. Is it, if we stop trying to overthink it uh-huh. and just look at the body, the, the number of bodies that haven't been around lately, uh-huh. not counting Riddle and not counting Orton, because right. Right. all us all, if all works out correctly, hopefully, God willing. When Riddle returns from whatever's going on, because that's been all twisted into fuckery. Yeah. If Orton can do it, the assumed program is between them two for Mania, so we're not going to count them. Right. If we're thinking beyond them, I mean, I had two names pop into my head of guys that have been... One guy we know has been out for a while because he had surgery not too long ago. Mm-hmm. The other has been fucking on TV once every couple months now, it seems like. Mm-hmm. The guy, the guys I thought of were Rude and Ziggler. It wouldn't fit them. That's the, that's the thing, though. It doesn't... The characterizations don't fit them. Right. But I'm just you know, trying to think of guys who could... You want to know a shot in the dark that might work? Go for it. Sanity. Eric's back there. You know they would bring Damo back to help to, to, to appease Nikki. Right. And they could very well give a call to Alexander Wolf, Wolf or even or even uh Fulton. Because Fulton really hasn't been doing much in um impact since Ace Austin's been doing the, the bullet club stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ace has been more attached to Chris Bate, the hip than anything else. Exactly. Yeah, I don't uh, I mean and the thing is, like, Damo and Fulton aren't going to get that oh, holy shit, but the Eric Young will. Mm-hmm. And attaching Nikki to them wouldn't hurt either. Exactly. And Nikki's, Alexa. Nikki's been trending in that direction anyways. Right. And you put so. Nikki and Alexa back together and have them both be psychopaths because that's never happened. The... Meaning both on Sanity or Alexa on the Bray side? Alexa with sanity. Oh. 
because they've been together as baby right. faces and then they did the split and everything. But imagine if they were both nutso and they were just running rough shot over the women's division together. Right. That's a possibility. Intriguing. Very intriguing. Um always thinking. Right. Thank you, Randy. Um <laughs> Well, we're just gonna kind of leave it at that for now, because yeah. if we try thinking about the same, more, I think our, our brains start to smell toast. Right. Uh, <laughs> so then we get Sammy and Paul Heyman backstage. Paul mentions the optics of fans chanting for Sammy when Roman is in the ring with him. Interesting, sure. Uh, then Solo beats Sheamus, and then lays out the brutes with the Usos. Yeah. But then Drew comes out to make the save. Yep. And so we're finally going to get that tag title match that we couldn't get because Drew got right. That's hurt again. Or, yeah. This week on SmackDown, Drew and Sheamus yes, against uh. the Usos. I feel like I keep asking this question almost every time I book a fucking title match, but if not Drew and Sheamus, then who? Like, I don't think it's going to happen, but we're almost getting to that point, right? Kinda, aren't we? What? If it's not going to be Drew and Sheamus who takes the belts off them, then who the fuck does? Kale and Sammy at Mania. Eh, yeah. I thought we had already agreed on that. Well, that's if they get, if they pull, yeah. I think it all massively depends on what, what they do with KO and Roman. I feel we'll like assume that all gets squashed by Chamber at the latest. I KO and Roman, like we know the title match is going to happen at Rumble. We know KO is not going to go over, and it's going to be by something, and it's going to be like a conflicted Sammy or something, and then it's going to lead to Sammy eventually leaving the bloodline. Right. KO and Sammy rejoicing, and then KO and Sammy going for the tag titles. If they don't go that route, which because that's the only like known route of keeping the fan tappy, but keeping it at an even keel. Because anyone that thinks that we're going to get at Sammy versus Roman at any given point is delusional. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. The only other thing I can think of is we get a surprise entrant in the Rumble to reform, and then uh, because they should be healed from injury now, and we roll back to last year's Mania and we redo Nakamura and Boogs against the Usos. Hmm. That's the name we haven't said in a long ass time. Right. Like that was a bad injury. So Yeah. Because it's been what? Um, ten months been, basically? Mania. Yeah. Nine months, <laughs> ten months, yeah. Yeah. Um before we get into the afterbirth from this, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Who thought having Ronda wrestle a three segment match was smart? They had to do something to get that belt offer. Jesus H. Christ. I. Oh. Talk about a fucking chore and a half to watch. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they just they, I, I feel like trips had had gone as far as he could with Ronda and Ronda's attitude has just deteriorated that much where they just had to get the belt off. You fucking think. Um, so Ronda retains over Raquel. And Which then, Raquel, Raquel carried her. Props to her. 
Right. Like I, I will give props to Raquel for pulling a halfway decent match and while selling the injury. Correct. So Ronda's in the ring with Shayna celebrating kind of sort of ish. Mm-hmm. New music, new look, same old Charlotte. Ish. Babyface Charlotte. What'd you say? Babyface Charlotte. It's been a while. Right. She challenges Ronda. Uh, I don't know. Ronda says some shit and basically refers to, I think, Rumble for a title match. Then Charlotte's like, fuck that mess. I want it right now. Shayna tries talking Ronda out of it. Charlotte ends up getting her way. We get WrestleMania 9. And she becomes the new champion less than a minute, basically. Mm -hmm. Mania 9, baby. Um, sure. Cool. Um, fuckers got me again. I don't know what else to say. That, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the crowd popped for it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's everyone's like, blah, 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 Charlotte on top. Dude, wait, it's Charlotte. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? Right. This leads me to believe some, like, I'm still going with what I was thinking about earlier was, I feel like with what happened on Raw, we're going to get something to the effect of either Bianca's going to have to vacate the belt due to injury, and thus they use the women's rumble to crown a new champion, or no matter how you cut it, we're gonna find whoever wins the women's rumble is gonna end up is gonna end up unified, um, champion. unified championship of mania, yeah. Okay. Whether it's a one-on-one or a three-way. So we get a bloodline locker room segment in which Roman basically says, Nah, nah, I'm cool with you getting cheered, Sammy. It's all good. No, all good in the hood, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um then we get top dollar. And Ashante the Adonis backstage. Top Dollar keeps getting made fun of for his fuck up in his match against the Usos. Mm-hmm. No, in the three way, not the ma- not the match of the Usos. Or fuck it, whatever it was. Then yeah. Top Dollar and Ashante obviously get visibly frustrated. Top Dollar eventually shoves Ricochet to end the segment. Mm-hmm. They're gonna turn Hit Row fucking heel. Yeah, because they're not getting over. And now basically, this is leading to Top Dollar against Ricochet one on one because everybody wants to see. No, I think they're actually going to keep Ricochet and Braun as a tag team together for a bit. I'm trying to remember, did they? I thought I saw them. Maybe it is a tag match. I thought they booked it as a singles match. I could be wrong. like that's pro- no. I'm saying that's probably a singles match, but I'm saying oh. like Braun's probably going to come out as the big brother during that. Oh, true. Yeah. Uh, then we get Imperium cutting an in-ring promo. Braun interrupts to challenge Gunter. Brawly erupts. They eventually focus on Braun's left arm. Ricochet chases Imperium away with a chair. Uh, Ricochet apparently busted someone open hard way during that. Shocker. Um, Then the main event, obviously. Apple juice! If you didn't see that coming, then I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Cena and KO beat Roman and Sammy. Everybody goes home happy. Happy it was decent, year. you know, free TV match. Cena's out there, crowd bobs. Good end of the year. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And now word is they're talking possibly Cena, Logan, Paul for Mania. Trying to think, Logan Paul. When was that match? Early November, right? Yeah. Four months back from. Was it November? I thought it was October. Either or. I mean, it all depends on the extent of the hell of a recovery injury. for a torn ACL. That's it is. But we also don't know if it was a legit torn ACL or not, or it could be a fucking work. Fair. Like, because all we heard was, oh, I tore my ACL, but we haven't heard from Logan Paul since then. No, you're right. And like, he didn't, hasn't said anything about it on his podcast. Nothing. You're right. Then we get to Monday Night Raw last night. Uh, Bloodline is in the ring. They interrupt the intro for the show. They say they're going to do a hostile takeover. Which, didn't they just do this last week, too? Or two weeks ago, too? Like the show opened with Bloodline laying out people? Yeah. I mean, they're being consistent, so I'll give them that. Yeah. Uh, Then Pierce initially sends security to take care of them, but then eventually the Raw locker room empties out. Mm Mm-hmm. Pierce gets his ring back and then tells the bloodline that he has matches for all four of them, right? No, three. Yes. Four. Yeah. Four. Four. All right. Because it was a six man tag and a singles match. Right. So he has matches for all four of them because obviously no Roman. Right. And here's my uh, issue. My issue with that is they could have gotten a little more out of that by making the, the solo match. Because remember how Pierce was in back and he was just like, you guys do this, you guys do this, and the rest, yo, whatever. So, like, the other guys who did the run in the seven got nothing. Like, you could have made the solo singles match a lumberjack match. And that way the rest of the Midgard Express could have been out there. That's what I fucking thought they were going to do, honestly. But Yes. Um, Which, that was the next segment. Pierce was backstage. Eventually books Elias and Solo in a street fight. Mm -hmm. And the Usos and Sammy against the Prophets and KO in six-man tag action. Mm Mm-hmm. So we get to the actual opening match of the night 20 minutes into the show. Uh, Alexa and Bianca for the Roman's title. Alexa towards the end of seeing different dudes in the crowd with... In the masks. Howdy masks. Harvey, whoever the fuck there was masks. Right. And I even said the moment Alexa came out, I said Alexa's going to lose this match via DQ. Then the Bray logo flashes. Alexa loses her shit, jumps the official, get DQ'd, and then viciously lays out Bianca before leaving the ring. And then they, yeah, they had they had medics come out to get Bianca, but then Bianca refusing medical treatment, and that's why I feel like they could continue this on and have her continue to get attacked. Right. Like if they want to go that route, which I wouldn't, because it's really cheap on Bianca for her to carry the belt this long to just have to vacate. Correct. Then we get Theory backstage interview with Kathy Kelly. Then we get Solo Sokoa beating Elias in the Music City Street Fight by basically giving a Uranagi to Elias through a fucking piano. Not which is different. Onto it, we'll say. Not through it. Right. Which is different. Well, I'll give him that. True. But at the same time, like, we've seen way too many street fights on free TV lately. Yeah, true. Like, they need to kind of span the shit out a little bit. Like, remember, like, when Trips was booking NXT, a street fight was a blow-off. Right. And it built up to it. Like, come on, Trips, you know better than this. Then we get to the six-man tag. So here's my question. It was, 
Are they building towards a Montez heel turn, or is Montez just preoccupied in his head about what happened with Bianca earlier? That was what they were going with. So Montez refused to tag in numerous times, eventually gets the match, but then he eventually takes the pin as Sammy and the Usos get the win. Drew and Sheamus eventually come out to help KO after the match as the Profits were still laid out in the uh, ringside. Obviously still teasing the tag title match coming up this week on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dexter Loomis beat Chad Gable in a match that nobody seemed to be fucking into for some reason. Yeah, because it did, like, Shouldn't Dexter have been working fucking Bronson? Yeah. Like it just, it can't, it was like, it was a filler match and people knew it was a filler match. Which is true because you were missing, you you were missing him, you were missing Miz from the show, mm -hmm. and you were missing Baron Corbin and JBL, which Mm -hmm. I thought was a bit odd and out Mm -hmm. of place. Um, Then we get a, I'm sure you love this. Uh, part one of the Cody Rhodes recovery vignettes. That's when I literally turned off my TV and I said, someone tell me when Cody's not back on because I'm making my, I'm making my Nielsen ratings count. Then damage controls in the ring. Becky interrupts. She only takes on a handicap match against Dakota uh-huh. and Io. Mia Yim comes out eventually. Mm-hmm. Made a match to become Becky's partner. Mm-hmm. But Dakota and Io still get the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seth backstage with Kathy. Because apparently she's the main interviewer. Byron can go fuck himself now. <laughs> uh, Alexa backstage with Byron for all 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. BT dubs. Uh, we'll come back to that. Um, then we get... Oh, the stuff happening in the background? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Fucking... <sighs> we need to get something straight here. Okay. Nothing. Nothing can ever make Dom Mysterio look or sound like a hard ass. I'm sorry. Nope. You can give him a toothpick. You can give him a fake ear, uh, fake teardrop tattoo under his uh-huh. eye. I don't give a fuck what you do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make him look or feel like a hard ass. I'm sorry. Exactly. And that's exactly what that pre-tape showed me. Like, He's a fucking Cheshire boy. Um, and then we end the night with Theory retaining the U.S. title over Rollins after a referee. The, the One and a half ref bumps. Right. The, the initial referee takes a bump. He's out of the match. The replacement ref almost takes a bump and cowers in the corner so he doesn't get hit. But in the meantime, that's when Theory gets the low blow in and then takes out Rollins to win the match. Mm-hmm. Um, the background thing you were mentioning. Uh, so at the end of the segment prior to damage control hitting the ring, they showed those three walking backstage towards the ring, towards the uh, ring entrance. Mm-hmm. And in the background, you can see Adam Pierce having a conversation with three individuals. Mm-hmm. MVP, mm-hmm. Cedric Alexander, mm-hmm. and Mr. Shelton Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Now, for whatever reason, tr- the last six months have been all about Easter eggs for whatever reason on various yep. programs. Mm-hmm. Are we to believe this Easter egg, or is this just them pulling our legs? It's just them pulling our legs, because look at it this way. And I'm sorry, but everyone's like, bring back the Hurt Business. It was so great. The Hurt Business didn't generate revenue. And what, what are you going to bring them back as a babyface stable when MVP has still got Omos? No one's going to cheer for Omos. And where do you put Omos with that? You're going to make Omos the, 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 the enforcer of the Hurt Business? No. You can't make them heels again because we've seen it. Yeah, I don't know. 
it's all it just, very odd. It, it, it makes no sense to me. It's one of it's one of those like it's half the time it's it's Easter eggs that are going to lead something. The other half it's trips fucking with the internet because he knows he can, because he can he knows he can work the dirt sheets, which God fucking love him for. Uh, other WWE news to mention number one. Um, during the holiday week of house shows, AJ Styles suffered a broken ankle apparently at a live event. Um, depending on how bad the break is, I put him at 50 50 at best for the Rumble. Uh huh. Um, also has to do with pain threshold. Like some mm-hmm. dudes, just, they can handle pain better than others. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But right now, mm-hmm. I'd say at best 50 50 for AJ for the Rumble. Uh huh. Um, that's number one. Number two. Um, apparently, reason behind certain NXT talents out of the UK not being on TV, they're all dealing with visa issues. Apparently, uh huh. That list would include Blair Davenport, Tyler Bate, and Gallus. Gallus, though, I think we already we knew had that hint. Yeah, that's why um, they suspended them indefinitely. Right, but Bate and Davenport, uh, there was some curiosity concerning. They hadn't really been seen right. maybe once or twice after Worlds Collide, and that was it. I don't even think that much. I think Bate had one match right after Worlds Collide, and that was it, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, and then Davenport, I honestly don't remember at all. She hadn't. That was the last time her and uh, Mako both appeared right. on NXT. Uh, also, Dewdrop... Uh, apparently a combination of things with her. Number one, she's also dealing with visa issues, but also on the other side of it, um, she recently revealed that she's been going through a lot of mental health stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's why she's been taking time off for about the last three or four months. Yeah. Um, so obviously, um, it's good to see that, you know, the business can be a grind. Mm-hmm. And when talents, talents have gotten a lot smarter about, if they know, oh, they've been a lot more self-aware. Let me put it that way. Right. Um, about taking time off when something doesn't feel right to them. And the office has been a lot more understanding about that stuff. Correct. So, um, good on both sides for recognizing that, and you know, hopefully Piper can get back uh, sooner rather than later, as mm-hmm. those things get better on her end. Yeah. Um. Now, the thing you referenced earlier. Oh, well, I, I had a couple other WWE things I wanted to oh, go ahead. Go, talk about. Go ahead. So early word is uh, they had to throw up the X after after Raw went off the air last night. So we have to keep an eye on Seth. Right. Because we really got to hope on that, that he's OK. Um, As far as the I, I just wanted to editorialize a little bit more about the Cody thing. Um, I sat back and I thought about this last night and. Just taking my loathing for Cody Rhodes out of the situation, mm-hmm. I looked at this from a business standpoint. Cody Rhodes has been a horrible investment. They brought him back for the big pop. They got two matches out of him, or three matches, and he injured himself training. So right away... They've had to invest money into making these promo packages to remind people that Cody Rhodes is on their payroll. Meanwhile, he has not returned any dividends as far as live events. 
He has not returned any dividends as far as merchandise goes. And really, the in, in the short time he was active on WWE TV, it did nothing for the ratings because um, uh, I hate to break this to people, but um, Cody did nothing for ratings when he was over on Dynamite. And that was proven time and time again. So it's at this point where, okay, so Cody comes back for the Rumble. We're already imagining it. Why would anyone in their right mind put Cody, put Cody in the title picture? He is not returned on his investment. The best he can hope for is some mid-card stuff leading into Mania. And then after Mania, he has two choices. He can either take the next year to stay healthy and see if the, he's worth pushing towards the upper echelon or trips cuts his losses and says, you know something, you got a year long paycheck out of us for three matches worth of work. Have fun kid. Can I throw an idea out there to you? Sure. If you're making this a proving ground thing for Cody, mm-hmm. what's wrong with Cody versus theory at mania? Okay. I'm just saying as an idea, if, sure. we're, if we're not putting him in the main title picture, which I'm not disagreeing with you, I'm not putting him in it. I'm I, I'm all for that. Yeah. Um. If you want to test him in that mid card area, then yeah, sure. Well, put him in coat. Put him in theory together for yeah the for mania and then the loops after. Right. Exactly. That's fine. But to shove him into the main event picture when he hadn't proven that he had that kind of clout before he injured himself, like it's there's no point. And it, it, I, I'm just I'm tired of people being like. Cody's going to win the rumble or Cody's going to win one title on night one. And somebody they're not dividing the titles and Cody's not getting either of them. And, and what's one of the golden rules about the business about making money. You have to go make more money. You can make more money on the chase than them. Exactly. The chase. Right. And it just, it's even like, Maybe we'd be in a different situation if Cody hadn't hurt himself right before Hell in a Cell last year. Maybe yeah. we'd be in a different situation. I, I, from a professional standpoint, I don't think we would be. I think Cody would still be a floundering mid-carder who they would try to keep shoving, and the quarterly ratings would show that he's not making an impact. Here's the other end of it, too. It's not like they've been shoving Seth down our throats in the main event picture either since everything ended between them and Hell in a Cell. Exactly. Seth maintained himself within the mid card. Right. So you can't, like, I mean, they dropped. And he draws during the quarterlies. Right. And, like, they dropped hints about him and Robin eventually tangling down the road potentially again. Right. But they haven't, like, They've maintained right. Seth as the mid card, or in the case of Raw, having the U.S. title as their main attraction. Right. They, but they've kept him in that area. They haven't tried forcing the issue with him getting back into that Roman picture. Exactly. So what? What would make them think that if they haven't done that with Seth, who was across the ring from Cody for those three months, why would you do it then with Cody? Right. So. And then the other WWE thing I wanted to mention, because I mentioned earlier about trademarks. I'm not sure if you knew what I was alluding to. A whole bunch of people applying for trademark shit. Oh, there's someone who WWE finally said, fuck this, we're not going to fight for this trademark anymore. What's that? 
WWE has dropped all um, aspirations of fighting one Mr. Cryback for that name. Oh, I did not see that. And Ryback is now claiming victory. And I beat them, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, this is a guy who literally went the Jim Helwig route and fucking legally changed his name to Ryback like an idiot. What is there to win there? Because he seems to think that he should get, like, that that was the only thing holding him back from getting booked anywhere. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's a piece of shit as a human being and a terrible worker. And no, 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 no. Uh It's the fact that WWE wouldn't let him use name. So now WWE said, you know something? Trips basically said, you know something? Fuck it. Take the name. I don't care. Because no one's going to fucking use him because he wants too much money and he's a fucking liability anywhere he goes. The only fucking company when he was when he was taking indie bookings, the only company that booked him was fucking Mike O'Brien and he kept hurting local guys. So go right to the fuck ahead. Go ahead. So stupid. It's it's worth it's it's worth you know something? Go ahead. See so have fun. You're fucking you're in your late 40s. And no one gives a fuck about you. No one's given a fuck about you for 10 years or more. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Take this name. Go to Tony Khan and go, I want 11 bajillion bajillion dollars. And watch Tony Khan go, I'm not that much of a mark. Go to Impact and what, tell Scott Demore, I want this to Scott Demore. Be like, I'll give you 20 bucks. 20 bucks, a hot dog, and a handshake. And then have him go back on the Indies and be like, I want 25000 per, per appearance. And Michael Bryan will say, yeah, once. And that's about it. He should just get into the convention world and just fucking roll with that. He's gonna. I guarantee that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna. That's why he, that's why he wanted the name, so he can do the convention circuit doing autographs. It's the only way he's gonna make money going forward at this point. Or at exactly. Least money. Right. But he's, you know, he's even though I don't know anybody who would ever want to go to a convention just for his autograph or whatever. Right, exactly. But you know, let the baby have his bottle. Go right ahead. The right. trip said, you know something that's not worth it in legal fees. Take it. Go right the fuck ahead. It's a worthless name. He's gonna be one of those guys within 24 months. He's gonna be selling combo packages for 30 bucks. Exactly. Um, trip, so we're never gonna put him in the fuck. We're never gonna put him in the fucking Hall of Fame. We're never gonna do Ryback retro fucking gear on the fucking shop. Go right ahead. Take it. You're not going to duck Nexus into the Hall of Fame and have him be one of the members? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I don't think no, uh, I don't think any version of the Nexus is ever going to get inducted just because of... Which is a fucking shame because they had something the first time around. They had something they that went, first night. Let's get went, it right. It's went, been long enough. That first night, that was it. Right, and then it went fucking straight downhill. Right. But Everyone's they, had one good night in this business. That doesn't mean you get a Hall of Fame induction. Oh, I, I know. I'm, I'm just fucking around. <laughs> um, did you have anything else? As far as WWE? No. There was one AEW thing, but we can circle back to it in news and notes. Okay. Uh, and one quick thing about NWA. They released a press release earlier today announcing NWA Powers returning back to their YouTube channel. <laughs> First runs will be Tuesday, 6.05 Eastern. So basically right around now as we're finishing this, oh, yeah. NWA USA will remain airing at noon Saturdays on that YouTube channel as well. Pay-per-view programming will still be on Fight TV. Boy, I'm still not going to tune in because I couldn't stand watching Power when it was on. Um, NWA annual subscriptions on Fight TV, however, will begin to be phased out 
in uh i'm sorry they already began to be phased out on the 26th of august because <laughs> they weren't making any money on them um viewers who have active subscriptions can still use them to watch pay-per-view program until their subscription expires and we monthly subscriptions canceled effective immediately <laughs> interesting um and then past pay-per-views that were aired on Fight TV will be individual available for individual purchase. Mm-hmm. Also, NWA will have its first ever live NWA Power uh, Tuesday the 31st. So four weeks from today as we're taping this mm-hmm. from the Knoxville Convention Center airing free on their YouTube channel starting at 7 p.m. <laughs> the event will feature Ultimate Team War Finals of the Champion Series Tournament, which began with 32 wrestlers, Ugh. with the winners of the Team War receiving future title shots at a time of their choosing, plus there will be NWA championship matches of some sort. <laughs> uh, and NWA's next pay-per-view will be February the 11th from the Egyptian Shrine Center in Tampa. Whatever the fuck that is. That's a, that's, um, that's a, um, that's a oh. Shriners, that's a Shriners Hall. Fuck me sideways. Do you know what, what? the main event is? Tyrus versus Cardona. Yep. Damn. I did. I was. Just, well, so guess what? That means Matt Cardona ain't showing up in the fucking rumble. Um, also. NWA and AAA are co-promoting a show. Ah! On March the 4th. Fourth in Mexico City. <laughs> so that's why AAA said we're not putting any more belts on AEW guys. They got in bed with Billy Corgan. Fucking idiots. Oh god. Um. Oh god. You want to transition to your AEW thing from that? Sure. It was the thing that I sent you yesterday about uh, AEW's top merch seller of 2022. Oh yeah. You want to review who that was? You would think that your top merch seller of the year would be would be one of your champions for the year. Right. No. Their top merch seller was Danhausen. Now, mind you, I, I like Danhausen makes me laugh. And a lot of it's based off pro wrestling tees, I believe, too. Not but that's because their shop. That's because but that's why that's where AEW use it because all of their merch is made through pro wrestling tees. Except for their live event merch is made through one hour tees, which is based in Chicago and is old by Col- and is owned by Cole Cabana. Hence why the one hour tees boxes during that one match with fucking uh-huh. the Hardys. The Hardys, and, yeah. Uh, what was it, the Hardys and Private Party or some shit yeah. like that? Yeah, and one hour tees is actually a it's it, it's a sister company of pro wrestling tees. So Cole Cabana. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, because they run all of their merch off pro wrestling tees because that makes sense to have a have a company that does shirts for anybody that submits a design to be your merch seller right. instead of having your own division. But, you know, that's what happens when one of the Young Bucks wives is in charge of their merchandise division. Right. So. Um, so, yeah, so their their main merch seller was Danhausen and like you know, like Danhausen makes me laugh, uh, you know, like. Yeah, I think Danhausen gained popularity. Like, honestly, I think Danhausen gained popularity because when Cornette started talking about cameos and they found Danhausen randomly and would play his cameos and stuff, I think that got him a lot more attention than his time in Ring of Honor. Um, but obviously, you know, Tony Khan saw a shiny new object 
and wanted to have it and signed Danhausen, which is fine. Go ahead and get paid, kid. You know, it's not like the kid's in bad shape. He's just, he's undersized. But the gimmick is funny. I think he would work as a manager mm-hmm. with maybe the occasional like wrestling spot instead of having to either. But let's look at it. Let, let's look at the bigger picture here. Danhausen has had three televised matches since being signed this year. Lost all three of them, all within like a minute. Um, that the Hookhausen thing went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like this is a guy who's not even one of your lower, lower, lower tier champions, who's doesn't wrestle on TV, and he's your biggest merch seller. Can I tell what? you who I'm shocked that it wasn't? Who? Who's been red hot for about at least the last six months in AEW? Danielson? No. MJF? No. Hint, tag team. Oh, the uh, FTR? No. no. Oh, the Acclaimed. I'm a bit shocked they weren't number one, to be honest. Because they weren't even in the top five. That's fucking right. absurd. That's, that should show you how broken your system is. Right. That your most popular tag team of 2022 didn't even sniff the top five. That's right. fucked. Well, plus, yeah, that's another conversation I had earlier because everyone's like, well, the acclaimed are over. I'm like, the acclaimed are over with the AEW crowd who once again will clap like train seals over anything t- Tony Khan does. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but Max Caster is an albatross around Anthony Bowen's neck. Anthony Bowen's has talent. Max Caster does not. And I will die on that hill. Anyways, so you need to look at the bigger picture of this. So Danhausen is your number one merch seller. He is ahead of John Moxley. Yep. Brian Danielson. Yep. MJF. Yep. Chris Jericho. Yep. So um, everyone except MJF that I just mentioned is a former WWE main eventer. Mm-hmm. But this indie kid had sold more merch, which tells me one thing, because here's the other part of that equation. Look at the crowds when you see and outsold the elite. Mind you, outsold the elite. And pockets, which kind of shocks me. Right. But here's the thing that I've noticed. You look at the crowd at Dynamite. You don't see people wearing AEW merchandise. You see Bullet Club shirts. Yeah. But that's it. You don't see Danhausen shirts. You don't see MJF shirts. The, the I mentioned it a couple like a month or so ago when they introduced those uh the foam fucking scissors fingers for fucking the acclaim. Yep. They had to pass them out to a couple people in the crowd because no one had them. This is the bigger issue with AEW is no one buys their merch. Their fan base does not fucking financially support them which is a big thing that i've talked about people wonder about why do people think about ratings because their fan base doesn't support them people buy tickets on seat geek for a fucking dollar the day the show rolls into town besides the pay-per-views every dynamite that's the way it is people don't buy merch go ahead there's another factor to this mm-hmm Generally speaking, what drives spending in a household? Or should I say, who drives the spending in a household? The breadwinners. Or the children. The children. What does AEW's demo not target towards? 
children. Which is why there's the reason for your financial fuck ups. Exactly. But so you think about this. Oh, and fucking what do you call? Canceled CM Punk. Remember how they were all punk is the biggest seller when when he showed back up in September last year? Since then, nope. This fucking kid outsold CM Punk, which means one of two things. Either Punk is not as much of a draw as you thought, or nobody is buying any of this merch. Nobody. Well, with Punk, I'd lean towards both answers, but okay. Right, but I mean, you think about it. The only time I've, I, when I've seen Punk merch on AEW, it's always that one shirt that came out the month he came back, which was the knockoff of the fucking Money in the Bank Chicago shirt. Mm-hmm. It's the only time I've seen Punk merch being worn on AEW. So you look at it this way. You look at their houses are down. Their biggest merch seller is a guy that never wrestles and never wins. And you never see any of the top five people's merch on anyone in the crowd. And their ratings are stagnant. They should have, they should be on an increase. They are on a decrease. This going, looking into the end of 2023 or the middle of 2023, when they go to renegotiate this fucking contract with Warner discovery and Warner discovery is going to come to come to the table and go, your houses are down. Your merch sales are this. You're not gaining. You're not gaining viewers. We're having trouble filling these advertiser spots. This is what we're going to offer you. And it's not going to be anywhere near the 40 million they got last time. Can I toss out an idea that I think might get thrown around? Mm -hmm. I think Tony Khan's ego is too big for it, but I could see this being proposed at some point. Could they take on the WCW initiative of the 90... Fuck, what was it? 95? Where they housed all their TV out of one location and said, fuck house shows. I mean, they, they say they don't do house shows anyways, but yeah. they basically centralize all their TV into one location and only go out on the road for actual pay-per-views. Oh, and they were doing like, uh, like they were world, doing Disney worldwide and Saturday night at Disney, and then yeah, before they were before they started doing Nitro, right? They could, but I think, and uh, and uh, but in all honesty, I think in the long run that's going to hamstring them even more because that what they should be doing is they should be adopting the early '90s WWF model is finding small, 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 or or the current Impact model finding small venues. Right. Finding venues that hold one to two thousand people tops. Uh, so running NWA venues. Yeah. But like I said, running impact venues like you could like if AEW came to the fucking whatever the, the I forget the, the name of the guy they renamed the guy to in Poughkeepsie. Oh, could, yeah. 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 Because it's not the it's not what it used to be. But if they it's came and the run. Yeah. Right. It's not the mid Hudson anymore. Right. But if they went and ran there, they could sell out. Instead of going to the Nassau Coliseum and having it be two thirds empty, or even going to the arena in fucking Albany and have it be at least half empty at the at best, right? right. And that's yeah. only a fourteen thousand seat arena, right? Exactly. They just they need to go the route of Impact now, not Impact a couple of years ago when Impact was literally running in Legion halls and using <laughs> a fourteen by fourteen ring and it looked like shit on TV, right? <clears throat> like you don't want to go down that far, but they need to scale back and run smaller venues. 
because that they they don't have they don't have the live they don't have the live attendance numbers. No matter what anyone tries to claim, besides their besides their four big pay per views a year, and the only reason they fucking sell out those four big pay per views is because they make a whole weekend out of it, the way WWF does Mania. Mm-hmm. Like that's the reason people go is because they're star cast and there's this, that, and the other thing. And they have to, you know, they have to arrange autograph signings and podcasts and circle jerks right. and all that shit to try to get people in. <clears throat> you take all that away. No one's going to fucking care. So what they need to do is run smaller fucking house shows, fucking cut down their fucking cut, cut, cut down their fucking entire roster. This video game pipe dream is just, you know, people are like, Oh, December 31st is just a placeholder. It doesn't fucking matter. They went from claiming it was going to get released March of 2023 to the release date, getting bumped back to December, which means they are nowhere near fucking done because they're claiming a bug issue. Once again, I guarantee that bug issue is them removing punk from the game. I like to propose a comparison right now. Sure. Why does all this sound like what could have been said about ECW 25 years ago? Because it is. The only difference with ECW is they didn't have them. They didn't have the money coming in. And ECW knew the size of venues to run. They weren't running. Right. Right. Huge. And Paul, Paul, Paul was trying to keep things running and robbing Peter to pay Paul. If Paul had a backer, ECW would have. Ended very like, and I mean a backer besides WWF giving them money. What are we thinking? We're thinking way too far outside the box. Why can't Tony just t- just copy and paste the fucking buildings that Ring of Honor was using in 2017 and 2018? Because that would make sense. Like, there's nothing wrong with Hammerstein Ballroom. Fucking right, nothing wrong with Hammerstein, the Rexplex, the fucking the sport, the 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 the, the sports uh, the sports complex in Woodbridge, uh, uh, Connecticut that, that that ROH used to run it. There's Huge something wrong with venue. the place. What was the place that they always ran? Uh, fucking. Uh, oh, the fuck was the name of the show? Um, the one they did in Canada every year, Border Wars. What's yeah. about that fucking building? Right. Like, there's. Oh my god. Right. Why did Why did it take us Why did it take us so long to mention Ring of Honor's old buildings? Because Tony oh. Khan thinks he's Vince McMahon. He doesn't want to admit that he's below Kerry Silken. That's the problem. Right now he's 93 Heyman trying to figure right shit out. Right now he's Herb Abrams. Oh, oh, oh. He is running venues that are too big, running stories oh. that make no sense, getting wasted on cocaine every day. He's Herb Abrams. We've said this. Um by the way, in, in this week's edition of Contract Regret, <laughs> Maria Canellis. Tweeted out a picture of her and uh, Mike and, and Taven on the entryway. This is, I'm assuming, before either one of their matches on Dark or maybe Taven's match. It was, it was probably when they showed up on Rampage that week. Uh, she says, quote, I miss this. I understand the process. I trust the process. I appreciate the work. I appreciate the opportunity, but I miss the work. Welcome to AEW, bitch. I'll just you, be ready when you the time knew, is right. You knew what you were signing up for. And if you think complaining on social media is going to help, why don't you go talk to Dax Harwood about how that works out? Oh, now, the now, tease, the tease we did like an hour and a half ago that we haven't come <laughs> back to yet. So Pro Wrestling Noah had their New Year's Day show in honor of Great Muda's last match for Noah. For those of you who didn't see it or most especially 
didn't find the clip that's going around social media of how the, of the match finish. ended. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version essentially. So what happens is Muda was uh going to use the mist on Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Nakamura pulls in Muda. Now he soul kissed him. He basically he basically sucked the mist, quote unquote, out of Muda's mouth. Uh-huh. Muda does the stumble back, the turn, then turns back to Nakamura. Nak spits the mist into Muda, mm-hmm. which then sets up allows Shin to set up and hit Kinshasa. One, two, three, that's the win. Yep. Um, and then Shin and Muda helped each other to the back up the ramp. It was a nice moment. Yeah. But after the match. Now, uh, I fucking can't see it. I'll pull it up on my... So, Muda was quoted in the post-match press conference. Now, again, as has been reminded of me by Mr. Alexander off the air, (laughs) Japan doesn't exactly give quite as many fucks as the U.S. does about being PC. But, this is essentially what Muda said if you translate his Japanese to English. Actually, no, he was speaking English at this point. My bad. Hmm. He said, quote, he's good, Shinsuke, good, but maybe he's queer. He's a F word, six letter F word. You can you can understand by what I'm saying, what it is. He's a F maybe. Bye bye, Shinsuke. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Um, sure. Yeah, it's. Like I said, like, like I told you, it's Japan. They're not nearly as PC. Also, he's retiring in a week. What are they going to do? Cancel him? Yeah. Uh, the, 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 amount of, the amount of fucks he gives at this point is about negative three. Right. It's just, and plus, yo, Muda's old. Like, it's it's one of those, like, sometimes someone says something and after and after the fact, like, was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I shouldn't have said that, but oh, well. Like, what are you going to do now? When the fuck is his match with Sting and Darby and all that shit? The 23rd. I can't come soon enough. Mm-hmm. Not from Muda, for everybody I else. Know. Right. Here's something I thought about that, too. I, I thought about the finish of that match, and what if Trips leans into this? What if now, because of the way that match finished, they shit, give, not, they the give Nakamura the, 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 the power of the mist? Well, you know what's funny is... This was an idea at one point for another iconic character in the WWE 30 years ago. You might not know this story, but I'll give it to you. I'm trying to think it was doing the Miss 30 years as, ago besides Wang. As legend has it. So obviously everything that was circling around the summer of 94 was pretty much Brett Owen. Mm-hmm. And take a returning from the dead. Mm-hmm. There was talk at one point, apparently, of Mark returning with Mist being one of his new things. Huh. To the point where they had a match, a TV match. I don't know if it was a Raw or whatever. But he had a TV match with Quang after, obviously after the return, 
And he did a very similar ending to what <laughs> they did with this match with Muda, <laughs> where he took the mist from Quang, spit it at Quang, and then tombstoned him, and that was the that was the end. Mm-hmm. So this was something experimented 30 years ago at one point yeah. with a WWE guy. Yeah. Um, obviously, nobody's going to fucking remember that in today's WWE fan uh, right. demo. So yeah. I, I also, mean, yeah, it's just funny. I also had a thought about this too is now, now like, you know, that, that finish works for Japan and the tradition and everything. And I'm not knocking. I thought it was a great finish. Um, but it, 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 it kind of, it, it it kind of makes me think about your average, you know, internet fan today and how little they know and how stupid they are. Mm-hmm. Whereas now imagine if that spot now imagine Nakamura and, and, and Nuda didn't do that spot. Imagine they hadn't Just take that out and put that over there. Okay. Now imagine for some reason trips comes up with this idea and somewhere on raw, they have Oscar go to do the Mr. EO sky and EO stops and takes the miss and then does it. The internet would be shitting all over it, claiming A, Trips is trying to do a lesbian angle, and B, this makes no sense. And everything. Just imagine. Imagine. Yeah, but it happened would, uh... in Japan, so it's okay. Yo, it's just like it would get more stars if it was in the Tokyo Dome. That's where that follows. Yeah, that would... Yeah, the wrong culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel that. I felt that right in my right in my feels right here. Yikes. Yeah. That's a very valid point. Oh, um, I'm just gonna double check and make sure there's nothing else we've missed. I don't think anything else has really broken during the show. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Shocker, rampage readings dropped from what the previous week. Yeah. Uh, what were the numbers here? Hang on. Uh, four hundred twenty thousand. Point one eight rating. Yeah. Number twenty eight in the top one fifty for cable that night, uh-huh. down from number five the week before. Yep. Oh come on, really? You're gonna you're gonna notate that strong college football competition is gonna be the reason? Of Motherfucker course, it's always was the There wasn't that much competition. Shut up. That's Shut what I'm also uh, considering. What happened on football last night? Um, I, I, it, it's. I think that's going to have an impact on the raw ratings. Yeah, yeah, that was like either people who turned off raw to see what the fuck's going on, or people who said, "Well, the game's done," and turned it off and put on something else instead. Well, I personally, uh, and this is I, the, the the wife is a Bills fan, so yeah. I naturally was watching football and recording raw. Yeah. And uh um those of you who don't know, I'll I'll fill you in on what happened. So basically, um about ten minutes into the game, uh a defender for the Bills made a, a normal football tackle. Yeah. Um stood up. And then next thing you know, within five seconds, he fell right back down like a sack of potatoes onto his yeah. back. Yeah. Um, they spent 10 minutes trying to get him breathing again using CPR. Um, I believe they also tried using a defibrillator. Yeah. They rushed an ambulance onto the field. They eventually had him breathing with the use of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, when they loaded him into the ambulance, uh, very scary sight. 
Um, he's uh, he was rushed to the hospital, which thankfully the trauma the nearest trauma center was only two miles down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, they eventually says they eventually postponed the game. Yeah. Um, and never which was a smart thing to do. Yeah, they never had they never had another play. They teams went in the locker rooms. They got a hold of the league office. Eventually decided to postpone the game. It sounds like they're not even going to try making up the game. Um, that's not officially decided yet. And the defense, the defender is currently latest I know is vitals are normal. Um, but they've essentially put him what I would call a, into a medically induced coma is the way I would put it. Propofol been there. Um, and they're just having him sleep just to make sure his vitals right. maintain and all that jazz. So, yeah. Um, but they're still listing him technically as critical condition. But the news did the news was a lot better when I, you woke up at nine a.m. this morning than it yeah. was at midnight last night when you went to right. bed. So. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. So I thought um, that was a that was really weird parallel. So Friday, the wife messages me and she says, "Yeah, I'm coming home early because one of her coworkers in the lab where she works walked up to her and said, "Do I look pale to you?" And then took to the nurse and he had a heart attack there in the building and they had to call an ambulance and rush him out. And they had to, they lost him twice. He's okay now, but like legit same shit dropped like a sack of potatoes. Like closest thing I've ever experienced to that was at one of my old jobs, like three, four years ago, four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, in a fucking tight ass cubicle area, literally two cubicles diagonally down from me, I witnessed a coworker have a seizure and just fall right out of her fucking chair, right onto the floor. Mm-hmm. And that that alone, like that alone, is fucking scary. I can't imagine seeing somebody literally just go from normal to like mm-hmm. like just dropping right down without any subtle warning, like. Yeah. It's it's crazy, but um, yeah. Um, if you ch- if you have any interest in finding out more about the story, his name is Damar Hamlin, D A M A R. Last name spelled just like the NASCAR driver Denny Hamlin, H A M L I N. Um, and if you have any interest, he does have a GoFundMe up for a toy drive for his hometown. So if good, you're interested, good. donate a little something to that if you want. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to pipe in with? Sure. I don't think so. All right. Well, in that case, that does it for episode 81 of White Heat, presented by Godzilla Media. Sponsored by our friends at Mohawk Con, Scotia, Glenville, and Johnstone Supply in Troy. Yeah, enjoy Wrestle Kingdom if you decide to check that out, which, as of us wrapping up this recording, starts in... Six hours? Seven hours? No, well, the pre-show starts in, like... The pre-show starts in seven hours. The actual show starts in nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because we're wrapping up at 8 15, 8 20 ish. Uh, no, sorry, 6 18. Yeah, uh, p.m. Eastern. I was doing the conversion, but not <laughs> fuck me. Um, Jesus, whatever. Uh, so yeah, so uh, let's properly wrap shit up. Who do we want to go with this week? All right, JJ, mm-hmm. say fuck Sean Michaels booking. Fuck Sean Michaels booking. <laughs> <laughs>